This is a Yellow Wave production. August 17, 1992, police received a call from a woman in Waukegan, Illinois. Shout out, Waukegan. I actually think you showed up on my last report for listeners. The last couple? I, yeah, I don't know. Either way. Uh, she reported that the babysitter for her two children, 11-year-old Holly Staker, was missing and the back door to the apartment had been kicked in. Staker's partially clothed body was found on the floor of the children's bedroom. She had been raped, stabbed 27 times, and strangled. Vaginal and anal swabs tested positive for semen. Evidence technicians took fingerprints and blood samples found in the bedroom and near the kitchen sink where it appeared someone had washed blood off their hands. On September 29, 1992, police received a tip from a prison inmate that another inmate Puerto Rican-born Juan Rivera believed he knew who killed Staker. According to the informant, Rivera told him he was at a party that night near the crime scene and saw a man acting suspiciously. Rivera was described by the police as friendly and cooperative when he was interviewed and agreed to provide samples of his blood and hair. He told police he was at a party near the crime scene when another man, whom he identified as Robert Hurley, left the party more than once before later returning sweaty, out of breath, and with a fresh scratch. Further investigation revealed there was no party at the residence on August 17th, leading to greater suspicion of Rivera. Rivera was questioned for many hours over the course of several days and eventually admitted to killing Staker. Following the confession, jail personnel saw Rivera, who had a history of mental illness, beating his head against the wall of his cell. A prison nurse determined that Rivera was in an acute psychotic state and was, in quotes, not in touch with the reality of what was going on around him, end quote. Several hours later, detectives entered the room Rivera was in and had him sign the summary account taken by detectives. Detectives reviewed the statement and agreed that many details given by Rivera were inconsistent with the known facts of the crime, a.k.a. red flag number one, Let's just be nice and say number one. <clears throat> it was decided that two other members of the task force would re-interview Rivera to try to clear up these, in quotes, inconsistencies. Rivera's mental state had not improved by the time the next interview was to take place, so he was placed in heavy restraints and a prison psychiatrist prescribed Haldol, Cogentin, and Ativam. That sounds like a mixture for sleep for like a year. <laughs> for me, anyways. Uh, Rivera signed a rights waiver and the interrogation resumed. And uh, Real quick, does anyone see anything wrong with what just happened? Giving somebody these three different medicines, which are super strong, and then signing this so that they can resume the interrogation? Not cool at all. Um, I'm going to hold commentary to the end as best I can, but that is absolutely not okay. <clears throat> a detective told Rivera that there were a lot of questions concerning facts in his previous statement and that he wanted to give Mr. Rivera an opportunity to tell the truth on some of those issues. 
During this interview, detectives suggested details such as she had a multicolored shirt on, right, Juan? He had previously misidentified her clothing. The confession that was eventually settled on was closer to the known facts about the crime, but still contained a number of inconsistencies with the crime scene. No physical evidence was found linking him to the crime, and the fingerprints taken from the crime scene did not match Rivera. At the time of the crime, Rivera was wearing an electronic monitor from a previous conviction. Electronic monitoring systems... <laughs> Let me try that again. I'm getting a little excited because, like, this part right here, how... Does anything else that happens in the future that I'm about to tell you, how does it happen with this right here? It's it's so bizarre. Okay, so he's wearing this electronic monitoring system. Like, think about the bracelets on your ankle, whatever you got to think about to understand that they know where he is at all times. Electronic monitoring system records show that Rivera did not leave his home on August 17, 1992. Phone records also showed a call from Rivera's home to a relative in Puerto Rico that evening. So someone in his home made a call to Puerto Rico during this the situation where this would have been happening. And also records of his monitoring of where he is at all times, house arrest it we all know what it is shows that he did not leave his house so you might be wondering well, okay but he's talking about this party on the 17th and then he's banging his head on the wall obviously there are mental issues duh so take that mixed in with giving this person with mental issues these three different medicines which is extreme overkill extreme overkill um Again, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I, I just, I can't, like, say that with absolute certainty, but I really can, to be honest. Um, and then, it, it, not, none of this adds up. It's just really, really sad, too, because it's basically like, a, well, if the shoe fits or if we can force it to fit or make it look like it fits, like make it look on the outside pretty, but really the inside is really messed up and nothing matches, whatever. And, and this is what I'm talking about when I say that I cannot handle inaccurate investigations or trying to make evidence fit a certain person or just there's so many things flawed with that part in that system and, and people being human and being the instigators of such messes like this. Um, but yeah, that's... That's bad. I mean, that's like so damning on the opposite. Like, how could he, how is this, how is this happening? It, it's showing where he is the whole time and how, and we're literally saying, nope, he did this or that. But the evidence, the factual evidence is showing the exact opposite. It's wild to me. My mind is blown I, and I cannot figure this out. Rivera was charged with first-degree murder on the basis of his confession. He was convicted in November of 1993. Rivera's first conviction was overturned, and he was retried in 1998. Taylor Arena, the child whom Staker had been babysitting, testified at this trial. Arena, who was two years old at the time of Staker's murder and eight at the time of the retrial, testified that she remembered the events of the evening and identified Rivera as the man who had attacked Staker. 
After four days of deliberation, the jury acquitted him of the first-degree murder charge, but convicted him on three other murder counts. He was sentenced to life without parole. Real quick, I want to share with you a little bit of statistics that have been provided for by Innocence Project. Look this shit up right now because this project is an amazing thing and you are going to hear about it throughout season two, probably multiple times an episode. So here's a little bit of side information to just try to swallow with that pill I just threw at you with this two-year-old, now eight, testifying as a witness. The Innocence Project was established in the wake of a study by the United States Department of Justice and United States Senate in conjunction with the Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law, which found the incorrect identification by eyewitnesses. I'm sorry that I'm pronouncing these words so weird. Let me start that again. They found that incorrect identification by eyewitnesses was a factor in over 70% of wrongful convictions. The original Innocence Project was founded in 1992 by Sheck and Newfield as part of the Cardozo School of Law at Yeshiva University in New York City. Um, There's more information, but basically the number one, and it's starting to be proven with other studies and other situations and other cases coming to light, like all sorts of wrongful convictions, um, Eyewitness testimony is the most inaccurate testimony available. Like, it, it, it never fails. Inaccurate. And, fun fact, I have a little side story that um, one of our many policemen patients of ours shared with me when we were talking crime, which I tend to do with everyone, but especially law enforcement and lawyers and stuff like that, because... I mean, that's part of their daily life, but there was a situation recently in our town, and then um, the person who had called it in and described the person later on was shown a picture, video, and live action, I think, or something like that. I don't know what what I'm saying about that part. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm hungry. But what I'm saying is real and it's true. Minus the live action. I don't know what that was. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, They were shown a picture in a video of this person. And mind you, this is the person who witnessed it happening and actually called it in. And they said, oh, no, that's not the person. That It was a man for sure. And they said, I am 100% positive. They kept a, like reiterating i'm 100 percent positive that's not the person it was a man it wasn't a man at all it was the person the picture in the video they showed this witness the person who called it in was the culprit and it's proven by camera and other situations but it was just like fascinating to me that the person who reported it was so insistent that the person they were presented as the culprit that that was not the person this is an adult we're talking about a two-year-old and then now at the trial they're eight i do not have time for this bullshit because i don't have time to explain to you the psychology involved the growth patterns all sorts of shit that's involved with how this isn't even possible let alone the fact that had this person been matured enough and an adult 
they still would be 70% likely to be wrong. I don't know what else I can say about that. I actually do a lot, but I can't because if I start, if I open up the lid on this, I'm never going to stop. And I don't, my the last thing I want to do is annoy people. I want to educate people and I want to fill people in and I can't help but be passionate about it. But, uh, to all those lawyers and prosecutors and whatever, whoever was involved in this bullshit, go fuck yourself. Cause that is so messed up and also embarrassing that it was allowed in trial. Like that is embarrassing. Not even because I live in Illinois. I don't care. I don't care if this happened in a different country. It's embarrassing as a human being to allow a two-year-old's testimony who is now eight even if that happened when they were eight and then they were older when it, no, absolutely not. Not okay at all. And you know what? I, I do think that because of the new studies and sciences that are coming out and proving these 70%, it's going to be higher soon. I guarantee it. This is a very, we're at the end of this. Like this is going to be the end cycle of that being legitimate. And we're going to look back on this in however many years fill in the blank as laughable like can you believe we used to think like witnesses could be depended on well I'm already laughing at that but and a lot of other people are too obviously which is why this is an issue but soon here it's going to be absolutely insane that we allowed this to happen especially this one with the age the age with the psychology and there's just a memory too memory for anyone but especially a young person i can't i have to walk away you guys i have to walk away from this i've said enough let's continue in 2004 rivera filed a motion to test the dna from the vaginal swabs taken from the crime scene the motion was granted and DNA testing excluded Rivera as the source of the semen sample. Rivera's conviction was vacated a second time. Despite the DNA evidence, prosecutors made the controversial decision to retry the case. Oh my god. They argued that Staker may have been sexually active or that lab technicians mishandled the DNA. Womp womp. Like, that's the classic go-to. If you read anything or listen to anything about crime, if you're into crime at all, which I hope you are because you're listening to this and you're going to be pretty disappointed if you're not because that's what season two is all about. But if that's the case, then you know that that's like the go-to, it was mishandled, it was mishandled. Or if that's, okay, so if it's not the go-to, then it's actually what happened. Like people are just like, cannot handle their shit like do your job do diligence like pay attention wash your hands you know just like follow the rules do protocol especially when you're dealing with dna and especially when that dna is involved in a criminal case anyways i really need to work on just reining it in my personal opinion and feedback until the end of course but then again it is my podcast so who knows i do what i want um so the defense experts noted that if Staker had intercourse prior to the fatal attack, semen would have been found on her underwear. That's true. Like, there's no way that that's not true. Tests on her undergarments were negative for sperm. 
So that's a big, that's a big, mm, I don't know about that. Um, oh, damn. So her twin sister denied that Holly was sexually active. Just now hearing about the twin for the first time and my heart has already been broken into pieces and now it's just like take those little baby pieces and just shatter the shit out of them because to have siblings going through this is one thing. A twin, I don't know what you feel about this, but to me it's just so much worse because twins, that is literally in a piece of you. So this twin is going through this with this whole crime case and and telling them like there's no way like she did not have anyone like she was not active sexually which I get how it matters as far as evidence goes but not as much as it might seem that aside I feel so bad for this twin not bad I feel I feel deeply for this twin because Like I said, it's one thing for a sibling, but your twin, like that is just a part of you. It's just so much more embedded in depth, just a deeper sibling. It's like a sibling relationship on steroids, on steroids, on steroids, if that makes sense. So then the outcome of all this is that on April 13th, 2009, Rivera's third, I repeat, third jury trial begins. On May 8th, the jury found Rivera guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison for the third time. I'm going to let this sit with you because, spoiler alert, we're going to get to the fact that he's not responsible for this situation, for this murder, for any of it. And here we are. Somebody has been tried and convicted one time that's bad enough to get two more tries out of that is actually not common it's that's pretty difficult to do most of the time they're shot down a lot of the time they're shot down I shouldn't say that most because I don't know the the statistics but a lot of the time that's shot down right away even with very compelling evidence or what have you racial tension just doesn't matter um so we have a person who has been found not guilty in the end of the end game here. Skip forward to the end game, not guilty. But this happened three times. I'm going to leave that alone for a second. I'm going to leave you with that. Walk away, shake it out, uh, probably do some stretches or something. I don't know. Drink a bottle of water. This always makes me super thirsty and I don't know if it's like a nervous thing because I've noticed it's amped up with season two, especially with the topic, but I need to go like do something else. I'll be back. Think about that though. The fact that the USA, this amazing country, this man was tried three times and convicted guilty three times turns out he didn't do it It, that is disturbing and 
December of 2011, Rivera's conviction was overturned a third and final time. The appellate court criticized the confession, noting the complete absence of any information that was not previously known to members of the investigation team. Each time Rivera gave information that was not already known, the information proved to be false. For example, when he claimed that he burned his clothing in a specific dumpster, there was no evidence of a previous fire in that dumpster. He also told investigators that there was another child at the scene, a boy, when there was only a two-year-old girl. The only details Rivera were able to give investigators that could be corroborated I'm sorry, i am got an ice pack on my neck and it feels so good. I'm moving, I'm like slowly closing my eyes and not reading words. What are words? Again, let's refresh. Let me just redo. The, the only details Rivera were a, was able to give investigators that could, could be corroborated were details that were already known to them. Shit, they already knew. The appellate court criticized the prosecution for dismissing the DNA evidence. The prosecution presented two possible theories as to how the DNA could eliminate Rivera. Contamination and previous sex with another man, that's number one. And number two is, um, regarding the contamination theory, where the prosecution speculated that no sperm was recovered from the autopsy, but someone else's sperm came in contact with the swab sometime later. The courts dismissed it as highly improbable. Same. I feel the same way. Excuse me, I just hit the mic. I feel like that's going to happen a lot tonight because I'm just really trying to relax. So sore. Hang in there. I'll do my best. I mean, that's always the case, but... Um, here we go. Okay, so the courts similarly dismissed the theory that the victim was sexually active. The evidence presented by the prosecution to support Stakers being sexually active was evidence concerning an incident when she was molested at the age of eight and an incident of masturbation and extensive testimony about a pair of red lace panties that she owned. I don't know how I just got through that entire sentence. That is absolute absurdity and so (laughs) fucked up. That's embarrassing on the prosecution. Are you kidding and not only embarrassing it's it is uh i feel like that's malicious that is intending to be malicious you you cannot try to bring any of those things up and not be absolutely immaturely malicious and so behind in the fact that all of it i'm gonna skip this i'm gonna move on i can't do it i can't i can't i can't even get into that because this will be a whole other three hours later, we'll still be talking about it. I'm, that just um, makes me really annoyed and mad. And it makes them like, if you have, okay, so let me start this over. It, like if I were reading about this or hearing about it and I didn't know like my opinion on it, do I think he's guilty? Do I think he's not? Despite everything else, no, in spite of everything else, all the, th- all these things, this right here alone, the would seal the deal for me like no because you don't resort to that kind of bullshit of calling out a sexual incident that happened to her I can't when she was eight I mean this is so messed up 
You can't. You know what though? Best part is, here we go. I'm rubbing my face like I, I don't know that I can finish this. Yes, I can because there is good that comes out of this. And unfortunately, we live in a world right now, does not have to be the case, but right now, commonly, something really bad or shitty or something to make people go, are you kidding me? Like this has to happen before there's protection provided. So continuing on, the defense argued that this evidence should never have been introduced because it violated the rape shield law. Typically, this law is invoked by prosecution, prosecution, well, prosecution, prokesha, procesha, so many things. Anyways, usually that law is invoked by prosecutors to limit the argument by the defense that the victim is the type of person who is more likely to engage in sexual activity. However, the law also bars prosecutors from presenting the same type of evidence. So basically... You don't bring that kind of shit up because it's like absolutely pointless and has nothing to do with anything other than you have run out of options and you're just trying at this point. It's like when you're fighting with somebody and you're just low blow, just whatever low blow you can come up with that doesn't even make sense. Like low blows of the low blows. And most often it happens in a defensive case, defense case. Uh, This time it was prosecutors, which the same rules apply, but you usually don't see the tables turn. So it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. Not, well, okay, that's me being, I'm dissociating from this because I can't. It's interesting in the fact that it's not something you usually see, but the same rules apply, but it looks so different because it's the other side. And uh, they were called out on it. Regarding the state's theories on why the DNA did not match, the court wrote, The state's theories distort to an absurd degree the real and undisputed testimony that the sperm was deposited shortly before the victim died. Simply put, the state's rationalizations of how the DNA from identified male number one came to be found in the victim's body and why none of the defendant's DNA appeared in or around the victim or anywhere at the crime scene cannot save a conviction obtained on a theory of a violent sexual assault and murder. The state did not present any evidence that the victim was in a relationship with anyone. The most reasonable explanation, therefore, of who murdered the victim is not the defendant, but rather someone who, unfortunately, has not yet been identified. Mike Drop, are you that was a direct, I read every word. I didn't skip a single word, even though I can't help myself. I'm always trying to edit things. That was word for word, verbatim, what the court wrote. Damn. Seriously. On top of all of that, the trial judge was also criticized for precluding the defense from presenting multiple pieces of exculpatory, I don't know if I said that word right, whatever, it's fine, evidence including testimony from experts regarding false confessions. False confessions are a huge thing. We will get all into that in this season. Don't you worry. But just remember this moment. False confessions. Big deal. Several risk factors were present in the case, including a history of mental illness, his mental state during the interrogation, 
in multiple interrogation techniques that are known to increase the likelihood of a false confession. Again, false confession. There are techniques. It's a thing. Remember this, you guys. Remember. The jury was also led to believe that Rivera failed a polygraph test. The defense was precluded from telling the jury the actual results, which were inconclusive. That is so unbelievable. Oh, so unbelievably unfair. I can't take it. Following the reversal, the appellate court took the extraordinary step of barring prosecutors from retrying the defendant. Like, at this point, they're like, okay, we have to step in. It's kind of like that kid who just, like, does something super crazy off the wall. And you're just like, whoa, that's so out of character. But, we like, I don't see this often with a child. Whatever. And then, not whatever, but you deal with it. And then they do it again and then again. And then at that point, you have to just step in and say, no more. You're not even, like, the boy who cried wolf, but times ten. You're done. Like, you you are so out of control that we have to step in and control you. And the ones that are out of control are the ones that are supposed to be just like justice system, which is why, damn, I did not think I'd get into this. Justice, is it real? No, it's not. It's really not. There's no such thing. I realized that the best is done most times, not in this case, clearly, but the best is done to create or get as close to it as possible, but there is no such thing because the variables are endless in all directions. So yeah, um, I just think that's crazy that they took extra precautions by telling them like, guess what? You can't, like you're barred from retrying this guy. Like give it the fuck up. It's been three times and you're just so full of shit. Like you're this is your job and you're supposed to be better than this and we have to step in and stop you. It's like somebody becoming like infected from within a system of higher ups, like the people who are supposed to protect somebody in that system of protection, just coming down with like disease, eating them from the inside out to where they have to be taken out surgically because they're harming the system as a whole. Does that make sense? It's super... I don't, I hate saying this. It's fascinating, but it's not because this person was affected for a long, so many people were affected, but this poor guy, I mean, that's just so, it's unfair. And to have the sentence in the word justice and then unfair, like it's, it's depressing. This is like a very desolate, depressing case, a hundred times over. In 2014, former Waukegan police chief Dan Greathouse, who coincidentally is handling the reinvestigation of this case, the Staker case, told Rivera's attorneys that a knife was found a decade before near the crime scene. In 1994, a neighbor uprooted a bush between his house and the murder scene and happened to find a serrated knife. Rivera's attorneys were not notified about the existence of the weapon, and the police destroyed it without any testing. I'm still here. The connections still were still good. Your phone's working just fine. 
Your stereo is working just fine. Your computer is working just fine. Those speakers are not the problem. The problem is the system being so infested with criminals trying to prosecute innocent people or other people. Some turn out to be innocent, some aren't, whatever. It's criminal to try, in my opinion, to make the evidence fit whatever fucking crazy shit you've come up with in your mind, whether there's a reason for it, like at the beginning it looked like it was going this way, or you just basically liked the guy for it in a really basic, no reason for it, like nothing to back it up, or whatever, or you just wanted to be done and this guy was like mentally ill and not mentally ill. I don't like that term. I don't like it. Had mental health issues there. And believe me, there's a huge difference in wording like that. That's for another day. Uh, when you have somebody like that and you just like want to pin it on them because it's easy. No, 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 no. I, I can't get on board with this for the basic obvious reasons that it's not true. And that's not normal. And that's not okay. But also that just delays the inevitable there's somebody else out there who fucking did this which means they're probably doing it again and if they aren't they're it it doesn't matter like you want justice that's the goal or as close to it as possible whatever that even means listen earlier if you skipped ahead rewind that shit because you got to hear that to understand why i'm so annoyed by this you want that but then you are like manip- it's not Play-Doh. This isn't this isn't play session. It's not a story that you can like change the narrative or you know what? Nope, actually now this happens. It, we're not creating a book. We're not writing a book. We're not playing with Play-Doh. This is real life. These are real life people. Stop. Because there are there are people out there committing crimes getting away with it because of bullshit like this. And there are people out there suffering in in jail or with their reputation completely, completely ab- abolished, abominated, just just not even, they just come in and wreck the shit out of it because of people like this. Get it together and just stop it. Stop it. Grow up. Stop it. Anyways. <laughs> oh, are we going to get through the rest of this? I think so. I'm going to have to just like turn it off, which is so depressing because then you're going to notice like I'm just like blah, 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 like a robot Brit. Robot Brit is here. I'm just reading the facts. I cannot get involved because once I'm involved, I can't keep, I can't keep control. I lose my mind. I feel everything. Have you guys ever, have I ever told you that? I do. And I'm just think my face is so red right now, just feeling the wrongness of everything I'm telling you everything and it's not a bu- I'm not reading a book which I still feel this way it's just this is real life which is just the worst anyways we got to move on okay so this knife is destroyed no testing and his attorneys Rivera the one there for the third time con- trying to convict they were not told about it In the original investigation, police found a broken, straight-edged knife in a nearby yard. No physical evidence connected the weapon to the crime, but prosecutors argued that it was the murder weapon. 
Rivera confessed that he had broken the knife during the crime and then discarded it. Really? I just want to go in that room with Rivera and just be like, honey, honey, and hug him and just be like, shh, just stop talking. Just stop talking. Um, meanwhile, throwing daggers with my eyes to every other person in the room, these police officers, like, yeah, no longer. Not gonna, I wish I was a lawyer right now at this time just to have that moment. Like, listen up. I'm here and you're not going to get away with this because I, no, it's just not going to happen. Um, (laughs) meanwhile, here I am inserting myself into the investigation already. Oh, okay. It's just hard. You guys, it's that thing where after the fact you look back and you, and you can see it, it's like a train wreck, but you know what happens and you know what's wrong with it. And you're just like, Oh my God, it just stands out like a sore thumb, every detail. However, in the moment, it's not as clear, obviously such is life. That's why they have the saying, why we have the saying that hindsight's 2020. It's basically this. So according to Russell Ainsworth, who he is actually one of Rivera's lawyers, this is a direct quote from him. The knife is hugely important. It's the potential murder weapon in the case. It could have had the real killer's DNA on it, and it could exclude without any doubt the notion that Juan Rivera had anything to do with this case. To destroy evidence without giving the defense the chance to test it goes against any sense of fairness and justice. Meanwhile, picture me in the back, not even slow clapping. I skip right up to the like hollering, whooping, like, yes, duh, duh. Rivera's lawyer said that a forensic expert they consulted ruled that Staker's wounds point to a knife with a serrated blade rather than a straight edge. Now, I have to say, just heads up, if you guys haven't figured it out yet, if you guys have not noticed, I don't know what I'm talking about half the time or I seem super surprised when I'm reading something. It's because I am and because I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. I prefer to go into this like raw. I don't read these before. All I do is scan the articles and the information that I take if I don't make it personal to myself and actually write it, which I do that sometimes. But if I don't do that, I am reading this for the first time, right? When you're listening to it for the first time, which is crazy and that's why I do it. Also because I just wanna be, it's exciting for me too. But that being said, I'm reading this and let's see, I remember them saying something about a serrated knife. And yeah, so there, in between the house, there's a serrated knife that was found that the attorneys weren't notified about. But then the potential murder weapon in the case was considered a straight edge. No, hold on. I don't know where the straight edge knife is coming. I guess. Did they? Because it seems like they found a serrated knife. And then, yeah, it says serrate. Okay. Oh, that's why. I knew I read that. So, in the first sentence, they were talking about finding a serrated knife after this uprooted bush. 
Then they say in the original investigation, oh, so original investigation, that's okay. Which means 1992, they found a straight edge knife. Nope. Okay, you guys, I am so sorry. Everything you just heard about the knife part, ignore it. It's Christmas time. I don't, I'm not going to give this to Kyle to edit. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm not a garbage human. And I don't have time to do it myself. So just consider this entertainment. In 2014, um, former Waukegi, okay, so the police chief told uh, Rivera's attorneys that a knife was found a decade before near the crime um, and that it was a serrated knife. They weren't notified about that, blah, blah, blah. But in their original original investigation, police found a broken straight-edge knife in a nearby yard. Not even necessarily considered the neighbor that they were f- referring to before. There's no physical evidence, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes to say that the forensic expert ruled that her wounds would be from a knife with a serrated blade, not a straight-edge. So it's kind of like a oh you gotta keep you gotta keep track of your details if you're gonna be lying so much. And I'm not talking about the defendant, I'm talking about the police, the investigators. Like that's so messed up. And uh yeah, their slip up comes out in court, and that's mega embarrassing, but also a bright ass light on a huge issue, as it should be. What else do we have aside from this knife? We have shoes, which is a super common thing, like looking for prints, casting prints, all that fun stuff, comparing prints, ruling prints out, shoe prints, fingerprints, all these prints. But right now we're talking about shoes. After Rivera's conviction was overturned, his attorney sought to conduct further genetic testing on a piece of evidence that prosecutors attempted to introduce at his trial in 1993, a pair of shoes owned by Rivera that were found to have Staker's blood on them. So you hear that and you're like, shit, that's damning. Well, is it though? The police collected the shoes a few weeks after Rivera's arrest from a fellow inmate. Uh, Rivera had actually given this guy his shoes in exchange for a TV set. I don't blame you. I'd be like, take my shoes. I don't even wear them. I'm in prison. But even if I weren't, all I've wanted to do is be barefoot. Can I have a TV, please? Netflix is calling my name. I do not blame him at all. Uh, however, like, oh, I feel like if if he weren't having mental health issues, he would be, like, paranoid in a good way and realize, like, these people are just going to do whatever they can to put this on me because they've decided that that's the way they're going to go. So disturbing, right? So prosecutors announced that they would introduce this critical piece of evidence, the only physical evidence linking Rivera to the crime. An investigation by the defense revealed that the Voit, V-O-I-T, I've never heard of that, Voit, Voit, well, I actually feel like it should be spoken French, Voit, who knows? Uh, Well, maybe not. They're made in Hong Kong. But they were not available for purchase in the United States until sometime after the murder. I am throwing my paper down like, 
what the fuck? If you're going to try to pull this bullshit stuff, at least know basic facts. Like, hello. You're... Make fun of stupid criminals or not stupid because he has mental health issues. That does not make him stupid at all, clearly. Yet you can't even think of the most basic things, which I'm not, I don't want them to. I don't want them to get away with that. But it's so not funny. I'm sorry, I'm getting so worked up. I got to take off my sweatshirt. It's just getting hot. It is, it, it amazes me. Like, Goddamn idiots. You're actual idiots. And you should feel every bit as stupid as you're acting. So that's why I don't feel bad for saying this. You should feel dumb. That is so dumb. However, I don't want you to be smart and get away with it, which I want... This makes me wonder how many times has that happened. Oh, you guys. I thought this was going to be like a dry, easy-peasy, just get through it, read it, feel some things. But I am invested if you can't tell. So anyways, they do the basic shit thing like not true. It couldn't be his because could these could not have been at the murder scene because they weren't even available to buy yet. That's like saying when the iPhone came out, like the year before it came out, like we found an iPhone at the crime scene and it had so-and-so's prints on it. Really? You did? That's weird because it wasn't even real yet. It didn't exist yet. We're not time travelers. Well, I mean, that's that's a theory, but no, no. I'm all about that, but not not even, I'm totally kidding. I am, I, I do think that could possibly be a thing, but not, not right now. Uh, <laughs> so this, according to the defense, in their minds, they're like, this isn't good enough. Like these people are doing this for the third time with bullshit evidence and it's still being allowed to happen, we got to like double down, double down. So they decided to contact the Walmart store where the shoes had been purchased and obtained proof that Rivera's purchase took place after the murder. Prosecutors withdrew the evidence. That sentence, now that I've clearly made my opinion on what side I'm on, is the most satisfying thing I have seen all day, probably all week, all month. That is a beautiful sentence. Prosecutors withdrew the evidence. That is so satisfying. So then, in 2015, a federal judge ordered DNA testing to investigate the allegations of evidence tampering. Thank you, judge. They don't provide your name, but whoever you are, finally... The results showed that the blood on the shoes belonged to Staker and that it contained a second genetic profile, one that matched the semen sample taken from the crime scene. Really? You don't say. So science is science. Okay, okay. The only realistic inference from the foregoing evidence is that someone endeavored to plant Holly Staker's blood on Rivera's wash shoes and in doing so, inadvertently planted both her blood there and the blood of the as-yet-identified killer, said Rivera's attorney. So basically, somebody, highly probable that it's a police officer or somebody in the police system because of the fact that they are the ones with the evidence, took her blood and put it onto these shoes 
mistakenly adding other factors that gave it all away. Because, again, genetics, a.k.a. science. You can't, you can't fight, like you can't, it's like two plus two is always going to be four. Without any other variables, it's always going to be four. Science is always going to show the truth. Although it is a little bit more lenient than math, um, the truth comes out, you know? And by lenient, I mean it's, it can be more mysterious and there can be, it's never like so cut and dry, but once you break all of it down and get to the bottom of everything, it, it is cut and dry. It's just, it's, it doesn't, we don't understand it fully yet in the sense that there's no like two plus two is four. Like it's just so much more complex. Basically, I'm having a hard time trying to describe that. So I'm just going to stop while I'm semi not drowning. (laughs) Oh, okay. So then real quick, this is some fun, interesting information. I'm guessing buckle up. We'll find out. Uh, In 2014, when DNA testing was conducted on evidence from the sacred crime scene, a match was found with DNA taken from evidence in the murder in 2000 of a Chicago man. 39-year-old Delwyn Foxworth was reportedly attacked by three burglars in his Chicago home in January of 2000. He was held at gunpoint and tied up before being beaten with a board, doused with gasoline, and set on fire. That is so sad. He was able to extinguish... Hold on. He was able to extinguish the flames and seek help, but he later died in August of 2002 as a result of his injuries. Oh my God. How? I have to read this story because this happens in January. He survives, but he dies because of the injuries incurred during this incident in August. That's May, June, July, August. I'm sorry, I'm not good at math. Seven months. That's... And if you guys have never heard whether this is accurate or not, it's a universal, like, known fact in quotes that burn victims suffer more than just about anything else, anybody else, any other situation. Like, burn victims the the feeling of being burned and then the care that it takes to get you back to being okay is the number one known like it's when I was at my first year of college in my very first philosophy class ever which was a rude awakening in the best way and I freaking love it um that was one of the first things we saw was basically like we were debating uh, euthanasia and burn victims. We were introduced to that in raw footage, literally raw footage of raw skin. That class t- taught me so much <laughs> that I can't, I cannot even tell you, but let's just trust me. Just go ahead and go out on, on a limb and trust me that that shit is not okay. So the fact that he lasted for that long and then still died because of those injuries specific is mind-blowing and it takes my breath away 
Uh, so this guy, the one who we're talking about here, who I'm like obsessed with, obviously, uh, his girlfriend who unfortunately witnessed the attack was able to identify Marvin Tyrone Williford as the killer. Williford was tried largely on that eyewitness testimony, which, oh, you guys, what would would he say about that earlier? Eyewitnesses, you can't, you just can't. Uh, He never confessed and no physical evidence linked him to the crime. This is not looking good. And this is why I do this. This is why I read it as I'm recording with edits here and there, depending on my reaction. But um, it's just so much more like, whoa, we're going through this together in a weird way. Williford was convicted of the murder of Foxworth and is serving, and I repeat, is serving, present tense, an 80-year sentence. His DNA was excluded from that found in a blood sample on the board used in the Foxworth attack. So how did they how did they make this happen? Probably the same way they're trying with this guy. Williford's attorneys insist that the DNA from the Staker crime scene, which matches that in blood from the board used to beat Foxworth, proves that Williford is innocent of the latter attack. Okay. That's interesting. The two other suspects in the Foxworth case have not been identified. My argument would be, as of right now, reading what I know, you need to identify the other two because that could be huge. Oh, this next sentence. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. It's the antithesis of good policing in our society. The community suffers as well. I... I fucked that up. Well, you know what? Get ready for that sentence again because I jumped ahead quite a bit. Give me a second. I would be embarrassed because I'm not. (coughs) I'm just trying to get through this. Like for myself and for you as a listener. Okay, so like I was saying, I really do think that they need to find out the other two people. Uh, That would be key. I have a feeling. While Mr. Rivera fought to clear his name and officials fought to keep him in prison, so like a tug of war, literally, the man who really committed the crime was free to commit this additional crime, said Stephen Art, who was one of Rivera's attorneys. Yes, I agree. Oh my God. So this is like a, for, like a not, for, what's the past, like past tense of foreshadowing? Like a past shadowing? Like a behind the scene, like looking over my shoulder shadowing. Because I said the same thing earlier. Like they're so focused on this one person because they just want an easy out or they just want to be done with it when that's not the fucking point. The point is to find who did this, who actually did this and make it legit and get them taken care of. However that needs to be. So then they're focused on this guy who is clearly like obvious, painfully obvious To the point where it, like, again, painfully, I'm in pain at how obvious this is. I am distraught, can you tell? If you could see my face right now, you would be like, just walk away, Britt. You need to take a break. I can't. Because I said that. It's so, it's so true. And it happens all the freaking time. When you have people doing things just to get it, like, basically put it under the rug, whatever, but it that doesn't matter why their reason, what their reason is for doing it. If it's not accurate, if it's not 
true police work, it's it's bullshit. And that's then you've got these people out there doing these crimes because they got away with it. And now, not only that, double down, somebody else is in prison or being punished for something they didn't do. And when he says the whole community is affected, it's true. Because look at it this way. These are ripple effects coming out like not even ripples. They are fucking waves because you have got somebody free. So now they're impacting other people, other people. And think about all the people those people know. Every person who's injured, every person who's attacked, every person who's murdered. The people who are affected by that single act, that single crime, that single transgression are so much more than our eyes or our minds can even comprehend. Then... So that's one section. You've got this next section of people who are corrupt in messing things up and not caring and not doing their actual job. The amount that they're affecting is even more than that because that is epically huge, like massive. Then you've got the people who are wrongfully convicted or who are suffering at the hands of whatever allegation is thrown their way willy-nilly with no substance and then that keeps happening and then whether they're guilty or not they're fucked their life is not necessarily ruined because i'm an optimist but they are literally drowning in shit that they do not need to own and shouldn't own it's not theirs to drown in and then everyone they know and they love is affected and then all those people that main core i just described all the friends of those people or friends of friends or friends of friends of friends of friends of friends. It is not even just a community issue. It's a world issue that affects so many people in so many ways. Have you ever been across the country or in somewhere crazy where, and then you find that, you know, you, you meet somebody and then you find that, you know, someone in common. What is it like this rules of six degree or six sep separation, whatever it is. Like we all know six people. Whether that's true or not, like, statistically, like, it makes sense that we are all connected in this crazy way, and it usually goes unnoticed and unseen, but then times like that, when you're across the country, and you find out that you meet somebody, and then they know someone you know, that's your reminder, like, yo, this world is huge, but it's also super small, and also you are connected to everyone in a weird ass way. <laughs> like med I'm, I am a very spiritual person, but I'm not even talking about that, that too. But physically, like it's crazy. The connection is just, you can't deny it. It's everywhere. There's evidence of it. There's actual evidence of it. Again, science. I want to start a drinking game where every time I say science, you drink. You're welcome for the fun times tonight. I apologize for the hangover tomorrow because it's going to happen, especially with this. Give me a second to find out where I was at. I am so on fire right now. Guys, I feel like if I took my temperature, it would be off the roof and I don't even have a fever. It's just, I am so worked up. Um, I can't help it. I just can't. And that's probably because mostly because I'm coming at you fresh and I'm reading this, like I said, for the probably fifth time right along with you. If I did it any other way, I just don't think it'd be as fun. I do think I'd deliver a better like cadence during the off times when I'm not getting emotionally involved, but I feel like my emotion is part of it. Like my reactions 
are so genuine that I just can't not share them. So this is the only way I know how to do that. Because like acting is fun and great, but like I can't act, I can't accurately recreate this moment that I'm having with you as I'm reading this and getting so involved. It's not the same. It's like when you download a picture and then you share it and then you share it and then you share it and like every time you download it, it just diminishes the JPEG, like the clarity of it just diminishes. It still looks like a great picture and it can still be great, but it's not the same as that crystal clear first time. Does that make sense? I hope so. But anyways, I need to focus because, um, okay. So basically like this guy is reiterating the fact that while you guys are so busy, like coming up with ways, adding evidence, blood evidence from this poor victim to somebody's shoes who clearly didn't fucking do it. You're so busy doing that. Like that's effort. That takes effort. It takes thought. It takes a choice to make that, like to choose that as your next decision is fascinating from a psychological point of view, to be honest. But also the time you're taking to make it fit this person is so alarming while this whole time whoever actually did it which are you that insecure that you don't think you can find out like you can and if you can't that's not on you as long as you do what you can to do right and to investigate correctly and to follow the evidence not your mind like even right now as excited as I am about this I am still, believe it or not, I know it it probably will be hard to believe, I am an open mind because I look at the evidence and the evidence right now is overwhelming and embarrassing on all levels, pointing to wrong guy, you got the wrong guy. If the evidence were otherwise, or if there was new evidence that comes out and shows all of this somehow makes sense, which I, I would love to see how that happens, like how it could be possible. But if it happened, evidence, it's emotion aside, it's evidence. And and that's the thing, like you have to keep an open mind. If I were presented with irrefutable evidence, then yeah, duh, you have to follow it. So anyways, moving right along, I swear I'm almost done. Hang in there. I hope I haven't lost you. (laughs) He continues with after he's expressing his um, how he's just upset that this guy's having to fight for it, clearing his name and his innocence. And this whole time, whoever's doing this is continue to live free and commit whatever crime they want, including the crime of this guy, Rivera, not this guy, the crime that this guy is charged of. It's the antithesis of good policing in our society. The community suffers as well. Thank you. It's, true. The DNA profile has been entered into criminal databases, but has not yet been identified, which I'm, do I have any hair left? I sure as shit hope so. I'm pulling out my hair. He's still not identified. He or she not again, open mind could be a she. Well, no, because the semen thing, whatever. I can't go back and read right now because I can barely see straight. I'm so worked up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk away, take some deep breaths, get my shit together, and I'm going to come back and wrap this up. I've got two more things I want to read to you, and 
I promise you I will not read them ahead of time in between. You're going to get it fresh always. I'll be back. Juan A. Rivera Jr., born on October 31st, 1972, Halloween, y'all, is an American man who was wrongfully convicted three times for the 1992 rape and murder of 11-year-old Holly Staker in Waukegan, Illinois. He was convicted twice on the basis of a confession that he said was coerced. No physical evidence linked him to the crime scene. In 2015, he received a $20 million settlement from Lake County, Illinois for wrongful conviction, formerly the largest settlement of its kind in United States history. DNA testing done in 2004 on semen taken from the crime scene ruled out Rivera as the source, but the prosecution argued that Staker had been sexually active and the semen sample came from her previous partner. Rivera was convicted a third time. His conviction was overturned by the appellate court, which took the unusual step, as we talked about, of barring prosecutors from retrying Rivera. He was released from prison after serving 20 years. That's 20 years. Let that sink in. After his release, Rivera's attorneys asked the courts to order genetic testing on Rivera's shoes. The prosecution had tried to enter these into evidence in 1993. The shoes had Staker's blood on them, but the prosecution... I'm sorry, guys. You know what? I'm trying to be all, like, proper and shit, and that's just not me. So if you hear papers rustling in the background, we already know. I'm reading it from script. It's fine. Deal with it. It's my podcast. You know what I mean? But seriously, though, I just hope that you can handle because I can't I can't read that way. <clears throat> um, where was I at? Oh, yeah. So they had tried to end the prosecution had tried to enter it, uh, had Staker's blood on them. But the prosecution withdrew the evidence prior to Rivera's first trial when they learned that the shoes had not been available for sale anywhere in the United States until after the murder. How embarrassing. Hashtag embarrassing. Hashtag get your shit together. Uh, DNA testing conducted on the shoes in 2014 indicated that the blood belonged to Staker, but it also contained another genetic sample. The DNA in this matched the semen sample from Staker, which means the murderer, the actual killer, whoever actually committed this crime, it's in both. It's in the blood and the semen. It's crazy. And it's also a tease because we never find out. Um, where are we at? Where am I at? Up, down, what? Uh, Rivera's defense team insists that this is proof not only that the blood was planted, but that the real killer's DNA was inadvertently planted as well. The DNA has yet to be matched to an individual, but it has been linked to DNA from the scene of a home invasion and murder in 2000 by, in Chicago by three men. So same town, well, close enough. Waukegan's close enough. So we'll just say that um, in Chicago by three men. Only one man of the three has been identified. Coincidentally, he was convicted of that crime and is in prison. 
he claims to have been wrongfully convicted. His conviction, if you remember, was from a testimony of a witness. Again, I urge you to look into information on testimony from witnesses, witness testimony. It's just insane. Uh, Let's see. So following his exoneration, Rivera sued the city of Waukegan in Lake County. Good. He was awarded $20 million at its time, the largest wrongful conviction settlement in United States history. This amount included $2 million from John E. Reed and Associates, who were known for the Reed technique of questioning suspects. This technique has been widely criticized for its history of eliciting confessions that were later determined to be false. Basically, master manipulation. Uh, Rivera was questioned twice at Reed headquarters by an employee of the company during his interrogation, which lasted for several days. I'm exhausted just reading that. Insane. It's absolute insanity. Chaos. Everywhere I turn in this ca- in this case is chaos. I turn this way, I turn that way. Everywhere I look, it's pure chaos. Something that I love about the end game remember when i said fast forward to the end game we're here um we can't make it go away although i wish we could for so many different reasons and for so many different people affected even those that you would never imagine affected it's just insane but i do love this comment from city attorney Steve Martin. He told the city council that the city's portion, which was 7.5 million of this 20 million, that it was, and this is direct quotes, the best economic decision the city could make in this case. We all agreed that this was an excellent settlement for the city of Waukegan. I understand it's a lot of money, but considering the downside that could have occurred in a courtroom with the case, it was felt economically it would extremely be beneficial to the city to pay out that amount of money. Okay, well, wait. I thought, okay, so here's the problem with skimming through a paragraph or anything. You kind of make up your own shit like I apparently just did. This isn't bad, but it's not my favorite. I take back everything I just said in a way that I don't want to be super emphatic and like excited about it because it's true, but not in the way I thought. I don't know. I just am so really good at making things like optimistic. That's just what I do. What I read that, what I skimmed that as was like, this is the best thing we could do for Waukegan because we stand by our, our own and this has disrupted our city enough. And um, I feel like this was kind of a cold way of saying something similar. Like it's economically beneficial. Mm, fuck you and your economics. Like now I'm going the other way. And no, FYI, I am not bipolar. I just see the best in everything but then when I like get down into the nitty-gritty I see it for what it is and this one is not this is not good in my opinion because it's so like how about we is anyone ever going to acknowledge it other than me that you guys fucked over somebody a human being a fellow human being like because you're a human being I'm a human being um whether I've got a broken arm or a broken leg and you have something wrong with your eye and this guy has some mental health issues 
we're all the same with injuries. Like that's, it's, it's nothing's worse than another. And having mental health, like I feel like that was kind of the whole reason they picked this guy. Not picked him. I don't think they picked him. I think somehow he ended up involved, whether, however it happened, he was involved. Not involved. Okay. I feel like I'm in interrogation myself. What I'm trying to say is somehow he ended up wrapped in the case, but that doesn't mean that he was a part of the situation. And that's not fair. Like, that's not fair. It doesn't make sense, and it's not okay. Because, like, unfortunately, it's different. Like, it'd be like... So this is compared to somebody who has a broken leg, and you're in a room full of people, and, like, you're told... Whoever can't run away from you and make it out, like, they are guilty. Or they are weak, and you should pinpoint them. And so this person with a broken leg could be a goddamn Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize winner, but that broken leg, he's going to be weak, and you, he's going to be slow, or he's going to not be able to be at par with who he could potentially be on another day when he's healthy. And this one time... You were in a room and you were told to do your job or whatever it looks like for you in that capacity. Don't just stay with me. It's it's perfectly in my mind and I'm really working on wording that like with speech and words and sentences, you know, that kind of stuff. That's sarcasm, by the way. Um, but it's like doing that and then this person's slow. So you catch them. They're like, well, this is the one they told us about. He's weak. He's slow. We got him. Like, this is him. No, not necessarily. He has an injury. Guess what? Mental health is an injury, okay? In a sense. It doesn't make you less than. Just like if if I'm standing next to somebody who does have bipolar disorder or who does have OCD or which, hi, I do. I have OCD to the extreme. It's a serious issue. We will be talking about it in the future, but I'm not crazy. I'm not. I have anxiety. I've had depression in the past. Everyone has in some capacity. That doesn't make me less than. And I'm here to talk about it. And I'm here to insert myself adamantly and tell you, no, you will not diminish me or anybody else, whether it's mental, physical, psychological, just spiritual. I don't even know. Anything all like AA, like dash, A-L, whatever that means, that just seems to be like the usual psychological, physical, spiritual, you know what I'm saying. Uh, You're not going to do it. Not on my watch. It's not going to happen because I'm here to tell you that's bullshit and it's not right because you've got people who have never had a history of any of these things or never broke a bone and they're fucking psychopathic, which also is not wrong. It's, It's what you do with what you're given. So... Oh, man, this is a long-ass episode. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to say this last thing and wrap it up as best I can. Say you have somebody with depression or anxiety or whatever. Okay? Say you have somebody with nothing, so to speak, which 
I don't think exists, but like nothing alarming, nothing flagging, nothing that they've had to seek out help for because nothing was like, no red alarms were raised. They were fine, so to speak, or maybe they were dealing with it internally, whatever. Then you have somebody with physical issues, like a broken leg, broken arm. It's all the same. It's all the same. But then when you have somebody with a disorder like psychopathy or sociopathy, sociopathy, what am I even, I'm making up words now, who is a sociopath? Um, that's also not bad because you could have somebody with depression who is a goddamn angel. You could have somebody with no symptoms of any history of illness at all whatsoever and they are monsters. And you could have somebody with a broken arm who's great, somebody with a broken leg who's horrible. Your injury, your health issues, whatever they may be, does not define you. It's your decisions that define you. Does that make sense? Um, there are several psychopaths out there and those with psychopathic tendencies who are not bad people at all. They might not feel things the same way we do, but they exist and they are not hurting at all. In fact, there are psychopaths out there who are doing more probably to feel or try to feel, or since they've realized for the ones who know their condition and have accepted it, they realize they can't feel things the same and decide, okay, well, I can't feel anything. So maybe I could go one way or the other. I could go bad or I could go good. Since I don't feel, I'm going to go good. And then there are some who would go that way, but then something super shitty happened and they went south and they just, their life went crazy, but that's not beyond them. That was their choice. But there were so many defining factors in their personality. And then there are other people who just, I, I mean, th again, it's like so many variables. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We're all just fucking human beings. And some of the things we do are really messed up and some of them are really good, but we're all in this together. And so instead of, I don't know, you guys, it's just such a deep topic. It's such a deep thing, psychology, which when we're talking about crime, all we're talking about is psychology. At the end of the day, the end game, again, hashtag end game, it's, it all goes back to psychology every time. What we do, when we do it, why we do it, where we do it, who we do it with. Like, it is all psychological. Okay? Even nature versus nurture, that's psychology. It's just, it's time to start looking at this differently. Or at least, if you're not ready to look at it differently, if you've not been open up until this point, that's okay. You're not like, don't stop comparing yourself to other people. You're fine. You're just, you are exactly on time and you're exactly where you need to be. Start letting yourself think about possibilities and start letting your mind open a little bit at a time, a lot of bit at a time, however it has to happen. Whatever happens, let it happen. But it's time to either move forward with this or on the other end of it, Start opening your mind to it. The fact that it's all, it all relates. And that there's no right or wrong. There's no white or black. It's all gray. It's all gray. 
minus the basics, like to kill, like it's not okay. But like, it, who's to say that killing and lying, like, it's just a different way of looking at it. It's all shades of gray. And I can't get into it anymore without starting a whole new episode. And I don't have time for that. You guys should see my face. It's so very red. I am on fire. And I don't mean that in the way that I, that most people would like to think of. Like, she's on fire. She's nailing it. I hope that's true. Please let me know. I feel like I am, but I'm talking about the fire in my face. Like my body is actually, it feels like it's on fire. Minus my hands, which are ice cold. It is a very weird sensation. I'm not comfortable with this. Pretty sure it's because I've been sitting in the same position and getting really, really worked up. And my body is like reflecting that. It's a mirror image of what's going on on the inside, which is pure chaos, like I said. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I am so... I was going to say so sorry that this is long, but I'm not sorry. It is what it is. I could continue, but I won't um, because I can't. (laughs) I just can't, but I'm not sorry about it. I feel like I did a good job. And I also feel like I have a long ass couple nights ahead of me trying to edit this shit because Merry Christmas, Kyle, you're off the hook. Although you'll probably want to help me out anyways because it's what you love. I get that, but like I've mentioned in past episodes, we try not to edit anything. We don't want to edit anything that doesn't need it. So even if I feel uncomfortable, like take it out. Nope. We don't because those moments of me feeling uncomfortable are some of my best growth moments, like my best jumping stones, my milestones where it's just like relatable human shit. You know what I mean? Also, this, I don't want it to be that kind of podcast, okay? It's not perfect. I don't want it to be perfect. I just want it to be real. And I'm so tired. So, we are done. I'm gonna say goodnight. I love you all so very much. When this comes out, it'll be Christmas Eve, which is the most magical time of year, I'm convinced. Christmas Eve is a magical time of year and New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve tends to have more emotions attached, negative, but it doesn't have to be that way. So take your time to do what you have to do to just gear up, reflect, just do what you have to do to feel good and be able to be with your family and stuff and celebrate and get ready for 2020. I, my smile, they say you can tell when someone's smiling when they talk and you can hear my smile in my face. I have an ear to ear smile, ear to ear, eye to eye. Oh, I love it. Twenty, We're at 2020. That is so amazing. That's amazing. Oh, it's, this is going to be a great year. I know you're used to people saying that. I'm sure you are. I know I hear it all the time and I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, Karen. All right, Debbie. Um, for all the Karens and Debbies out there, there's no hard feelings. It's just, it's just funny. You have to admit it's funny, but it's true though for most of the for most of the time but this year this year's different this year is i'm really there's something or maybe it's just for me i don't know and if that's the case fuck yes finally i'm excited it doesn't matter i'm so happy for 2020 and i just have really good feelings and uh i'm usually right when it comes to that so we'll see i love you all so very much 
I hope you enjoyed this case. I hope it made you stop and think. And I hope that you kept your mind open and that you will keep it open. Even if you've made a, basically don't ever make a decision. Make a decision, kind of, but don't ever let it get cemented. Because you never know what's going to turn up, what sort of evidence, facts, science, anything. Keep your mind open, okay? Thank you. Love you guys. I'll see you next year. Wait, no, actually, I think New Year's Eve. Hold on. Shit. This is really just keeps dragging on. I keep saying goodbye, but then I'm staying. It's like, oh, it reminds me actually of the Midwestern stupid, not stupid, but meme that they're like saying goodbye in the Midwest is blah, 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 blah. And I was so mad at it when I saw it because I'm like that's not true like when you're done you're done goodbye and I'm like that in person but apparently I am very midwestern on the podcast because I just can't seem to let you go so I'm gonna do it I'm gonna cut the ties yes next episode is New Year's Eve I really picked a god I am I am not the most brilliant in choosing the busiest days of the year to start season two but also I had a head start so I kind of am brilliant because most podcasts are not going to be releasing anything new. So I'm just going to be the optimist I am and hope that me blindly choosing a date that coincided with the busiest days of the year and I do not do busy well at all. I am not good busy. Yet here I am. I'm here for you and I hope you enjoy and I hope that while you're getting a break from your other podcasts for my new listeners, that you come back. Don't stop listening to those podcasts. God, no. Listen to them for sure. Please do. But also come back to me too, okay? Add me to your list, all right? So I will not see you. I will see you next year, but before then, I'll see you on New Year's Eve, okay? All right. Love you guys. For real, though, bye. I'm in the sunshine, cause I know I got mine Living is a short thing, buried in my bloodline It's been a girl with me, but I prepare really They can't step to me, my rap is medicine You don't wanna F with me, I'm always fresh with it On my best weekly, you ain't stressing me Listen to her I want the plan Holding my down Sucker rappers get lost Coming from the bottom Moving straight to the top Coming with the pull-up For the number one spot Earth to Brit can be found Wherever you go To get your next podcast fix My handle on Instagram And Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast You can find me on Twitter At Earth to Brit Pod Emails can be sent to Earth to Brit.podcast At gmail.com the podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earth to Brit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's, B-R-I-T-T. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is a Yellow Wave production.